Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to episode 37 of the Lifestyle Chase. Here I am honored to be joined by the one and only Jordan Amo. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing well. What time is it there? Uh, it is almost 5 p.m. Damn. And then it's like almost 9 a.m. over here, so that's a little perspective. So tell our yeah, a little bit. tell our listeners where you are talking to me from. Uh, I'm currently in Cairo, Egypt. So if I was to tell you that you were going to be in Cairo like 10 years ago, what would you say? I would have said, that sounds really cool. I guess. that that's... <laughs> Egypt's always been a place that I've really wanted to go to. I mean, I probably wouldn't have believed you. I would have been like, <laughs> oh, that's all. But I think the idea of it probably would have excited me at the time. Slash terrified me. Yeah, totally. So I want you to paint a picture of your week. Like, how, how do things go for you in Egypt? Uh, to be perfectly honest, like it's pretty similar to what my life, well, like as far as my work day, it's pretty similar to what my work day would be like in Canada with the exception of uh, in Egypt, the school weeks are Sunday to Thursday instead yeah. of Monday to Friday. So we get picked up at about six 30 in the morning by a bus that takes all of the staff. Cause we live in a place called Madi, but it's about 45 minutes away from where our school is. So we get picked up in the morning on the bus and then yeah, driven out to our school, get there at about 7.15 and I kind of just, I don't know, get myself ready for the day and take a couple of breathers, maybe do some, some jumping jacks to get my blood flowing. And then, uh, yeah, and then the kids, sh- the kids show up at about 7.30 and the school day starts at about 8 o'clock. Nice, nice. So what do you do for fun? What's your, what's your activities that you do just to fill your own cup? Yeah, just uh, trying to uh, – I'm only here if this is going to be my last year in Egypt, so I'm uh, trying to see as much as I possibly can before I – you know, because I likely won't be coming back after I leave. So trying to see and do as much as I can before my time's up. And I notice you like to go on trips with your mom. So, like, what's your favorite thing about going on those trips? It's just – it's just it gives me a chance to see my mom in a different light, you know, like she's always been like this person who's so confident and always knows what she's doing. So it's kind of fun for me to like see her out of her element a little bit and like meeting new people. And she's just like for a lady who hasn't done a lot of traveling, she's just so uh, so go with the flow and such an easy person to travel with. And she's just so trusting of me and my decisions that she's just like, whatever you want to do. I'm down to do and she's in really good shape which helps so she's really not limited to any absolutely like she can do anything I could have said let's go climb kill tomorrow and she would have been the first one up you know that's awesome so whose idea was it yours or hers uh mine so I kind of she basically says like last year it started last year she basically said I'm coming to she gives me a time where she's coming to visit me and well I kind of find a time that works best for her to come usually when I have some time off and then I kind of just find a place that I think might be interesting. So last year we got a chance to go to Uganda and we trekked uh, up into the mountains with, uh, and hung out with some mountain gorillas for about two hours. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, we've been able to do some pretty amazing things and we're already starting to figure out what we're going to do next year. So nice, nice. Is it under wraps or can you do the big reveal? Uh, it's not under wraps. I just don't know a hundred percent. We're talking maybe Japan, maybe Vietnam, just kind of depends. I'm not a hundred percent sure exactly where I'm going to be yet. So kind of going to, it'll depend on that, but somewhere in Asia. Nice. For sure. So what's your overarching vision for yourself as a teacher? Like it, it seems that you have something in mind because like, you're not sure where you're going to be at. Like, 
you've been in Egypt. You like what? What's your career been like from the start, and where do you see it going in the future? Um, I always knew I wanted to go abroad. Um, that was always kind of like. Maybe I didn't always know it, but I think definitely once I took a trip uh, to South America after my first year of teaching, and I just loved it so much. And I remember thinking, like, I met a guy on the trip who was living in Brazil. He was Canadian, but living in Brazil, and he was teaching there. And he's like, "Oh man, it's you got to do it." So like that kind of like pushed me in the direction, and it did take me an extra year to do it. Like it, that the first step of actually you know, going and doing it is the hard one. Once you make that step, it gets, I mean, it's a lot easier after that, but I always knew I wanted to go abroad. And now that I am, I really don't see myself coming back and working in Canada for probably at least another three, three to five years, barring anything crazy happening back home, of course. But yeah, it's just so easy. Like it's, it's a lot, a lot less stress and I'm essentially getting paid to check out new countries. So it's just, there's a lot of, lot of benefits so right now my plan is to stay abroad for as long as i can hopefully convince some other friends teacher friends to come and join me so i'm not so lonely but <laughs> what what are the biggest obstacles aside like you you talk about being lonely but what are the other biggest obstacles of working outside of canada it's just i mean here especially was a major like i wouldn't say it was a culture shock so much it's just like it's really an adjustment like they do things so so differently here and like for example like and i mean this with no disrespect to like the egyptian people at all they're just like not the most efficient people in the world so things like in canada things are so well organized and like you drive you stay in your lane you stop at red lights like things like that here that that's not a thing like you drive on the highway and you just there's no lanes really everyone's going every which way like you'll see you'll see typically at like a store or like maybe a coffee shop what what should be a maybe a one or two person job you'll see like eight people doing not really sure what and like it's kind of the same with the school there's a lot of a lot of staff at the school that i could not tell you what they do you know so like that kind of stuff is like it's one of those things where I kind of have a rule, like all the new teachers that came this year, my rule is don't ask why, because it doesn't make sense. It will not make sense. You, you just kind of got to go with, <laughs> go with flow or else you'll get really frustrated. Like it, you, it's a place that if you let it, it can be very frustrating and really like be annoying, but you just got to understand like you're in their country, you know, and they do things their way and they're not, here to change it for you you just got to adapt and adjust so that took a while i felt like i wasn't really fully adapted until about may last year like fully comfortable everything figured out so it did take me a while so like that and of course like the time difference is hard like trying to set up a time to like talk to my parents and friends back home and just not having like the same kind of support system here like of course i've met people and i've made some really good friends and that's nice but it's not quite the same as you know you're friends that you've been friends with for 10, 15 years, not having your parents. So that kind of thing. Also not having pets. That's, this is the first time in my whole life where I haven't had like an animal to come home to. And that, uh, surprisingly difficult actually. So. Yeah, that's so true. Like dogs and cats and any other pets like mean so much to people and you don't know what you have until it's gone. Totally. It makes a huge difference having like a little furry friend to greet you at the door, you know, like, I definitely, I, t I feel like I took that for granted. So when I, when I go home, I'll be making sure to spend as much time as yeah, possible. Totally. So I want to talk about role models. Now these can be parents. These can be anything, anyone in your life who really has a huge impact on you for a long period of time. Um, and I want you to list off five qualities of each one that stand out to you. So maybe like pick two, three, four people kind of thing. Okay. I mean, for me, definitely without a doubt, my two biggest role models are my mom and dad. And I know mm -hmm. that's a pretty cliche answer, but they just, I mean, I'm who I am and I'm doing all these things that I'm doing all because of them. You know, like I think, especially as a teacher, you see it so much. You see these kids that have these 
or these parents that have like failed them, you know, whether, whether it's on like basic necessities, whether it's just not enough attention. And it's just like, I never had to worry about that as a kid. And that makes such a big difference. So like for my dad, he is a very um, driven person. Like he's really motivated. He's now moving. He did 29 years of service in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Then he worked for six years for the Alberta government and now he's just starting a new job writing up some curriculum at uh, the Red Deer College. And the, like he's making classes, basically designing classes for like a criminology class. So he's just always – he's a man of many, many skills. And he does a really good job of, you know, using the skills um, that he has in a, a way that, you know, supports his family and supports his needs. Um He's also a big scuba diver. He's the big reason I got into diving. So he's really adventurous and he loves to travel. So that's part of the reason where my travel enthusiasm came from. He's just, he's hardworking and it kind of just, you know, that helped me become a more driven person. I see how much he works or not how much he works, but how hard he works, I guess. Um, Well, that's definitely like something that, I aspire to be and making sure that like any job that I'm doing, I'm doing it at a dad level, you know, like doing it. I'm not mailing it in for anything. So he's helped me with that. Uh, My mom is just an extremely independent driven person. Like she's, uh, I won't disclose how old she is, but she's, she's, she's an older lady. She's in, she's in her sixties, but you'd never know looking at her. She's like, she's an, absolutely incredible shape you know like she is just as far as fitness goals go like she i remember walking i was in newfoundland with her me and my friend brian we were walking up a mountain and brian and i were just huffing and puffing i think i was 21 at the time i was huffing and puffing and my mom's like making full conversation not out of breath at all and i was just like this is not okay i need to i need to (laughs) my mom should be in this much better shape than me so she kind of motivated me to like get in a little bit better shape. And she just, again, super hard worker, a really good, she's a veterinarian. So she's a really good pet owner, just an all around, really good, really independent woman. Just somebody I never really have to worry about. You know, she's just always has it figured out. And when I need something, she's the first person I talk to just, I don't know, just, I was really lucky to have two parents that worked really well together and they whatever my mom's not my dad is whatever my dad's not my mom is so we kind of got the best of both worlds in that um so yeah i'm just incredibly blessed to be able to have them as my parents and my definitely my biggest role models that's awesome how about your siblings because you got you got a few siblings hey yeah two brothers i have an older brother and a younger brother again like I see a ton of like characteristics that they've gotten from my parents as well. Like my younger brother Reese is in his, uh, I believe he's got a year left of, um, he's doing bachelor of science. He's doing like environmental sciences and he's just another dude that's extremely motivated. Like there, I can never think of a time in my life where he was without like income. You know what I mean? Like people go through those stages of like where they're in school and they're like eating the, the 80 cent noodles just to get by for the week but he's always just been a guy that's been very savvy with his money always working hard and like finding good deals and making good connections so i respect that about him and my oldest brother lucas is an rcmp officer and he's a guy that i really look up to fitness wise like he's a he's in really good shape he's a big boy um and he kind of gives me like kind of got me into I was never really big into the gym scene you know like I was always I always cared about staying in shape but the gym was just something I never really had a lot of interest in and he kind of got me like a little bit more into it and like showed me some good workouts anytime I wasn't sure about something he was a guy that I could call and ask and he's always very patient which I know is not easy for you know you see like trainers at the gym that are like really intense he would for an intense guy, he was always really patient with me, which was nice because he knew I don't really respond well to like the yelling and stuff. So he knew. <laughs> Not many people he know, do. He knows how to motivate me without, you know, being a dick about it, you know? Totally. So, totally. That's awesome. Yeah. So at what moment did you decide to yourself, I'm going to go to school to be a teacher? 
to be honest, I think I've known for a long time. I remember like I lived before I moved to Red Deer, I lived in uh, Ottawa. And I remember even then, like just always being like more like always just having a nap with younger kids. You know, I just had like a kind of a different ability with them and like they kind of got me and I got them and like, I'm a little bit weird and sometimes adults don't really get it, but kids do, you know, like they just, they laugh at all my jokes. So I don't, I can't really say there was a, a specific moment, just probably for as long as I can remember. That's a big reason why I started working at Casota as well is because I knew I wanted to be a teacher and that looks really good on a resume. And then once I got locked into the Casota life, it was just, I knew that was it for me and I just didn't look back at all. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's neat and it's funny because I've found myself friends with a ton of teachers and it's because of that Camp Casota connection. It's just most of them did become teachers. And then I'm like, well, maybe I should have become a teacher. But like I'm okay with being a trainer because it's kind of the same thing except it's just like a never-ending cool. gym class kind of thing. Cool, yeah. <laughs> so, so you're dealing with less like shoe tying and stuff and like blow nose blowing with yeah, your job, so. It's pleasant. I, I enjoy that part. The no, no. <laughs> what are five things that you think being a camp counselor contributed to your skills as a teacher? I think like flexibility for sure. Like, especially here, like it's so just like, it's such a disorganized school and it's a disorganized, I don't want to say it's a disorganized culture. It's just very like go with the flow here. Like there's not, it's not like Canada where things run on a specific schedule. Like, you know, the bus is coming at 10 08 where it's just like things are 15, 20, 30, however many minutes late. And like camp helped me with that too. Cause you have to be flexible. You're having, maybe I have six kids, but one of them's got OCD another kid's got, you know, autism. You have to be able to adapt to those things. So like definitely taught me the flexibility patience for sure like that's without a doubt the most important skill that a teacher needs is patience like if you don't have patience that you just you should not be in a classroom and i'm sorry to all the impatient teachers out there but i i truly believe that and cam definitely taught me that um as well as just like creativity like you know like you and i are both blessed with the creative counselor award on our on our uh, dressers and like a big part of that is because of you know, camp, you're kind of like forced to like, maybe it's a rainy day. We didn't have, we got to find something got canceled. You got to come up with something quick on the spot to entertain these kids. So like just being able to think on the spot camp was huge for that. And just like the camaraderie, like being able to work as like, like as a team player, like in any, like most of my job is usually just me with the kids, but like, it's such a huge network of a school. You have to be able to like, rely on each other and and you know make the team connections that way so yeah those are all all skills that i without a doubt can attribute back to my camp days for sure that's awesome so when has been a moment when your experiences as a camp counselor have helped you the most in your career as a teacher like because we all have this point where it's like thank god i went through that experience because i really needed it right now I think the two biggest things for me is just like being able to, well, the the enthusiasm that I got from camp, like knowing that you have to be this high energy enthusiastic all the time. Like that's really been something that I've brought into my classroom and it like, it's really helped me develop good relationships with my kids. You know, like they're excited to be there. Like they see Mr. Jordan singing and they start singing and like just having to be able to have that influence on the kids. And like, that's, I look back at like, uh, like I taught uh, a couple music classes last year and I'm always going to my camp songs for music class. And I think back like, Oh, thank goodness for camp, you know, for that. And just like the connections I've been able to make from camp and the people that I've met, like I've gotten my first teaching job was because of Kathleen Reed, who I met from camp. Like she hooked me up because I knew her and she knew I was, you know, pretty good with kids. So like that was another moment. It's like, and it's kind of funny because I really didn't want to go to camp it wasn't my idea. It was all my mom's idea. She's like, you're going to be a teacher. It's going to look good on your resume. And I just had no interest in going to a camp, especially like a Bible camp. Like I'm not a big religious guy. So like, it just didn't seem like a thing I wanted to spend my summer with, but she basically forced me kicking and screaming, dragged me there. 
And it took me probably all of, you know, two hours after I met you, after I met Keenan, after I met Dusty, I was pretty hooked. Yeah. And I was just, I remember just being so excited to go back. So just like the excitement that camp brought me, I feel like I've brought that into my classroom and just having a job that makes you feel excited is really important. Yeah. Well, I, I remember that moment, like when everybody got there, you looked pretty pissed off. But then when <laughs> when you were happy, like it showed and it resonated and made it more fun for everybody else to work there because like you were passionate about it. And so then when I saw your journey unfold and then you became a teacher, I was like, hell yeah, he's a teacher. That's what a teacher looks like. Like your, your passion with the different kids, like just their different backgrounds and your ability to relate was amazing. You're in it for all the right reasons, which I, which I really like. What are five things that you put into every week as like a non-negotiable like you need to have these things happen in order for you to stay afloat as a human being oh without a doubt top of my list is exercise like there's some days that i will be it's less so this year i had a really tough group of kids last year i taught grade seven last year and i my hat goes off to people that teach grade seven on a consistent basis but it was just a hell of a year they were really tough kids and i felt a lot of my days i was sitting on that bus home and i was just pissed off you know and after a a good you know hour hour and a half of the gym it's just it's amazing how good you feel and it's great it's crazy to me that like we as humans we have this ability to literally create happiness by like just moving our bodies around. And it's crazy to me how many people don't take advantage of that. So that's definitely for me, the biggest thing is exercise. Um, I try to go to the, I'm at the gym usually three to four times a week. And every Thursday we're playing for uh, a lot of the teachers stay after school and play some floor hockey. So that's like another thing that really helps me get through my week. Like oh Thursdays here is floor hockey time. Um, Eating healthy, I make sure I try to make a point of doing that because it's really – food is really cheap here and it's really easy. There's something called Otla, which is essentially like skip the dishes. You can just have it. You can have pretty much whatever you want sitting at your doorstep for you when you get home from school. So it's really easy to like kind of get sucked into that lifestyle. So like I try to make sure I'm cooking healthy food and, you know, that's definitely a big thing. Um, just saving time for – like games my roommate Oliver he loves games like board games so we're playing crib we're playing he's got like you should see we have a game cabinet that is just riddled with 30 different games so like that's awesome so that kind of thing just making sure that like at the end of the day it's a job you know it's like anything uh it's really easy to get allow yourself to get sucked into like doing tons and tons of work and burning yourself out like we've lost at our school we've lost five teachers this year because they just I mean, number of different reasons, but one girl just left because she just overworked herself. So just making sure that I have a nice balance between life and work is definitely the biggest thing that I keep in the back of my mind for sure. Absolutely. Makes sense. So when you're looking for uh, new new leadership, new new insight, aside from obviously like your people that you look up to, your parents... What what do you look for for resources? Like, do you read books? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you like go to seminars? What do you do? Um, definitely a podcast guy. I have a lot of podcasts downloaded, and I that's the nice thing about our bus ride is it gives me some time to, you know, listen to some books. I I wish I read more. I shouldn't say I wish I should read more. Like I have the full ability. I'm like, I always, whenever I have a book, I'm always happy that I'm reading it. I just have a really hard time starting books. Once I start a book, I have no problem finishing. It's just like, I could read this book or I could sit and, you know, watch Netflix or whatever. So I definitely podcasts books are something that I'm trying to get more into as well. Just, uh, you know, I follow a lot of uh, different things on Instagram that kind of, like whatever, whether it's, well, I'm a big wildlife fan. So like, I'm always like learning new things about this kind of wildlife and that kind of wildlife. So, and my roommate is just a wealth of knowledge. He's a guy that really inspires me because he's always trying to learn. Like whenever he's watching something on YouTube, it's not like, it's not like, Oh, look at Demi Lovato lip sync. You know, it's like, he's like learning. He's already mastered a French 
English, Spanish. He's working on Arabic right now. He's just so like, I'm always trying to feed into his knowledge a little bit too. So just having the people around me that, you know, provide that stuff for me helps as well. It's awesome. It's so important too. So is your roommate a teacher with you? He is. Yeah. He's from France. Nice. He's a grade five teacher. So are all the, like, is it an even spread with all the teachers and where they're from? Or is there one country that they tend to all come from? It's mostly Canada because it is it is a Canadian school. Yeah. So it's like probably 90% Canadian. There's like a, one or two Americans and then my lovely French boy. That's so, awesome. But it's mostly mostly Canadians though. So yeah, it's kind of funny. You meet people like there's a girl here who's teaching grade one at our school and I worked with her for like three years back in Red Deer. And another girl that I went to university with at U of A. So it's just like, it's kind of funny how small of a world it is. And you have to kind of move to a new continent to like get to know somebody that you already kind of knew, you know? Yeah. That's always how it works. It's such a small world. So if you could list off five rules that you would give yourself for living your days as best you can, because it's such a small world and we want to treat people really well. What are five rules that you would give yourself to kind of set yourself up for, for the best case scenario kind of thing. I just think for me, the biggest rule is just don't be a dick, you know, like totally. just, it just like, you don't understand, like, especially in like, I, I mean, I really see it. Obviously this Egypt is like a fairly impoverished country and very third worldy. And like, like, especially here, you know, go out of your way to like, do little things to help people, you know, like whether it's even something as simple as like, like a, like a high five. I remember I high fived a guy last year and I saw him again, like not that long ago. And he like remembered the high five. He like went out of his way to come and give me a high five, you know, like little things like that. Just like go to your way to just try to be brighten up people's day a little bit more. That would be probably my biggest thing. Second thing is just make, I'm all about not really, I'm a very, uh, minimalistic person like if you saw my wardrobe I have like my kids constantly comment on like my five shirts that I have so it's like <laughs> don't buy stuff, buy memories you know or like get memories like I'm all about just like me absolutely making the most of my time that if I you know god forbid drop dead tomorrow then I can at least be like you know I feel like I really made the most of my time here so that would be another thing just try to do and see as much as you possibly can. Um, I think another thing is just keep in contact with people, you know, like reach out to people here and there. Like, even if you haven't talked to them in a while, you know, like you, it's, we don't talk to each other all the time, but it's nice that we can like connect and reconnect and like share, you know, our dreams and ambitions with each other and support each other. Totally. Um, You know, like that kind of stuff. I think that's, those are kind of the biggest things for me yeah no that's good and yeah it's it's so true like i i want to tell the listeners like you you have a blog like you're you're a great writer so if if somebody's looking to to read about your writings how would they find them um it's all on my facebook page um but i basically it's all it's on um wordpress so that would be the biggest way and could just go and if you if you google my name um, it will probably come up to be honest. Yeah. I haven't done too, too many noteworthy things. So my Google page is, uh, you know, it's not, it wouldn't be too hard to find. So that would be my biggest suggestion. Totally. I'll put a, I'll put a link to your WordPress blog thing in the bio for sure. Cause I just, it was so neat to see how good of a writer you are and like to, to share in your experiences. And I, I think it's great perspective for anybody that's on like a similar path with their career, but different path with uh, where they are in the world kind of thing, just to see that, Hey, like if I had a shitty day, look, look what this guy had to do. Like, you know, it, it's helpful. Right. So I have, yeah, what's that? Sorry. I was saying, um, like, I think my, the biggest, I mean, the purpose of the blog is mostly for my family back home just to know kind of what I've been doing. But it's also like, I would love, I spent a lot of my time here going like, why aren't more teachers doing this? You know, like, so it's kind of also to help try to motivate people that maybe need that extra little push. Cause like it took me a year longer than I expected to go abroad. And like, 
it was obviously the best decision that I made for myself. And I know it's not for everybody, but there are people that are just like kind of need that extra little push. So that's kind of what it's there for as well. Yeah. And that, that's kind of how I perceive it too. I'm like, some people don't even know this kind of lifestyle exists. They don't know this is even an option or they think it's so out of reach or so intimidating, but you kind of make it accessible for people because sometimes that can revitalize a person's career or sometimes that can be the experience that changes their life completely. Right. Yeah, I think so. So I have some tough questions for you here. Brace yourself. <laughs> okay. What is your favorite Taylor Swift song and why? What is my favorite Taylor Swift song and why? Okay. My favorite Taylor Swift song is definitely our song. And because that song will forever remind me of the summer of 2009 at camp, because I think almost, I'm pretty sure every single week at talent show, me, you, Dusty Keenan, or a variety of that mix would stand up and sing it. Yep. So like whenever I hear that song, I have no choice but to instantly be all the way back to summer of 2009. That and uh, the How I Met Your Mother theme song immediately, always, always, always takes me back to camp. So it's like, it's kind of nice. And it's interesting how songs can do that, hey? Just like I immediately send you back to like a time. Yeah, like music is powerful. And it's, it's especially a theme in my own life. Like I have so many songs that have such a greater meaning than what a person may think. And it's just, it's neat how, how music can do that. So are you still a pretty big Taylor Swift fan? Like you, you keep up with her new stuff or not so much? Uh, here and there. I wouldn't say like I'm a huge fan, but like I check in. I see how she's doing every once in a while, you know? It's good. You need to do that, man. You need to. Yeah. yeah. What kind of music do you listen to now? Um, I'm big into like, I love Queen. Queen is definitely my favorite band. Um, listen to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They're, uh, I just actually, a few of us just went and watched them live at the Pyramids last weekend, which was unbelievable. So we've been on, we've been on the Red Hot Chili Pepper train for a while. Um, just, I don't know, kind of just Beatles, old, old stuff mostly. Like the new, uh, the new pop stuff, some of it is here and there, but it just doesn't really, uh, I don't know, doesn't really jive with me as much as the older stuff does. Yeah, you're an old soul. What did you think of the, the Bohemian Rhapsody movie that came out? What did you think? So it's funny because we watched it. In, we watched it here in Egypt, and the thing about Egypt is like they really censor movies. So like any gay stuff at all, like any sort of reference to homosexuality, which of course in that movie there was definitely some, was just cut out. So I think that movie was probably about 30 minutes, 40 minutes shorter than it would be normally. Cause like there'd be times where like we'd be sitting in the movie theater and it'd be like, well, okay, wait, who's this guy now? Like it would just like kind of make no sense. or just like cut from one scene to another. So I really liked it, but I am looking forward to watching the real movie. Cause I got like the Egyptian censored version. No kidding. Kind of funny. So it's interesting that we segued into that because that's those are dynamics that are going to be an interesting adjustment. What what's it like having that for like the the cultural norm and you're working with kids and you have your ideals and they have their ideals. What what's that like? Man, it was really it still is really hard, but it was especially at the start. I remember probably two, three weeks in the job last year. So I'd only been in Egypt at this point, maybe a month. And I remember saying something to my grade sevens, like something along the lines of like, oh, well, there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. In fact, like in Canada, we like, we celebrate it. And I remember I, before I even got off the bus home, I probably had five, six, seven emails from parents saying, why would you tell my kid homosexuality is okay? You are in Egypt, blah, 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 blah. So like, that was like, Really, yeah, I mean, that was eye-opening for me. It's kind of like I have these opinions that I obviously in Canada, you're allowed to say them and be open about them. But here, you just almost can't have an opinion. It ended up just me saying like, oh, my, instead of being like, we don't use the word whatever. for like They would use a lot of, especially my grade sevens, they would use a lot of like derogatory terms for homosexuals and like, Obviously in Canada, I'd be like, no, we don't do that. But here it's just like my drone business. You know, it's like, that's pretty much as much as I can go into. And like anything, like we were talking, we had anti-bullying month in February. And obviously like usually when you're talking about bullying, 
you talk about the subject of like maybe suicide, like that's a huge thing that can come from bullying, but here you can't do it at all. Cause like suicide is like a very much against the religion. Homosexuality is very much against the religion. So like kind of finding things that like, there's a lot of little things that you'd never know. Like throwing out any amount of food is very against their culture and their, and their religion as well. So like I learn a bunch of different little things. Oh, also this, like when you, call somebody over with your finger and you usually yeah. use one. You have to use your whole hand here. Cause for whatever reason, this is offensive. Like oh. just yeah, one finger and the bottom of your feet. Also, like when you're sitting, you yeah. can't show the bottom of your feet. Like that's a big thing here. Again, I don't ask why, but that's my rule. I just go, Oh, okay. It's just like, it's a, it's a learning process. And you know, you get yelled at in Arabic a couple times and you start to figure out like, Oh, Okay. And you start to ask, you know, some of my Egyptian friends or some of my people that have been here for a few years and they, they explain it too. But yeah, it's, it was definitely an adjustment and I'm still like, I'm still constantly learning new things, but it's when I left Canada, my whole purpose was to go to somewhere different. Like I just wanted something different. I didn't really care where, just somewhere different. And that's exactly what I got. Very, very different. So. Very, very different. Yeah. So knowing all these things, like, you're used to Canada, like Canada. We we're pretty lucky to be here. What are your five favorite things about Canada? Things that are unique to this country that you really notice now. The biggest thing, and maybe not so much unique to Canada, but the biggest thing, without a doubt, that I miss about Canada is the air, the oh, fresh nice. air. It, it's like here, it's just like, especially living in Cairo, Cairo is the third most polluted uh, city in the world, apparently. So it's like the equivalent of smoking a pack of cigarettes a day is what they say walking around here. So like that obviously as like a person that doesn't smoke and like doesn't want that stuff in my body. It's like, that's like, that's so like I made sure like when I was home last summer, I just was breathing in a lot more than I probably normally would. <laughs> so fresh air for sure just like the the freedom of speech for sure just like being allowed to like say your opinion and people maybe not agreeing with it but just they respect it you know for the most part when you're not on the internet anyways yeah exactly Um, that's yeah those two things for sure just like the way and again like i don't want to i when I may, I'm not trying to make generalizations, uh, but like the way the women are treated here is not like, like, for example, I was uh, at, at a restaurant today with my girlfriend and she paid the man for our meal and there was change. And so he gives me the change back, even though she was the one that paid, you know, like things like that, like they'll like, and when we're like, like our dive master, when we go diving in Sharm El Sheikh, he, whenever he has to talk to us about something, he only addresses me, Mr. Jordan. He only looks at me, only talks to me. Like I make the decision. She doesn't have a say, you know, like things like that. That's obviously like, Ooh, we don't do that in our country for the most part. I mean, obviously there's, there's, there's anomalies, but yeah, like there's anomalies, of course. But as a general rule of thumb, women are, celebrated their worship they're treated for the most part pretty equally and pretty fairly in our country whereas here it's like if a woman wants a divorce they have to jump through so many hoops to make it happen like you'll see women that are wearing the full niqab which is like all literally all you can see is their eyes like their heads are covered they're completely veiled all you can see is their eyes and it's just like like the men don't have to do that at all and like the girls from my school are constantly getting cat called. Sometimes they're getting grabbed. It's just like, so that for sure are, those are the biggest ones. Do any of them sort of know what life is like elsewhere or is that just the norm they're used to it? And that's just the way they exist. Most that's just the way it is. They're just like, it's a man's world here. I'm do what I'm told. I'm just like a servant to my man essentially. And they've just kind of accepted it. Like you would never see Like you'll see men praying all the time. Yeah. Like you, men can go and pray pretty much anywhere. They can pray praying on the street. They can pray in the restaurant, but women can't. Women yeah. are not allowed to pray. Women are not supposed to pray in front of men. They're not supposed to pray in front of other people. It's just like, yeah, the rules are just different for them for whatever reason. And it's just, again, it's just the culture. It's just 
And it's just like, again, it's just something you adapt to and you just, you don't have to like it, but you do have to respect it. Unfortunately. It's wild. And like, I'm looking at it from my perspective and I've seen Canada make a lot of adaptations over the years. And it's, there's so many dynamics to culture and stuff and just trying to treat everybody respectfully because it always comes with some type of backlash but is there any kind of adaptations that are happening in egypt or does it seem pretty like stagnant like no change i will say i think they're trying a little bit harder for special needs like special needs is a very taboo thing here so one weird thing about egypt is if let's say uh and if i live in egypt i have a son my firstborn son it should be getting my inheritance. When I die, he gets my inheritance. But if he special needs, has any sort of cognitive, physical, any sort of disability at all, all that money to the government. It doesn't get a dime of it. So a lot of parents are, and I, and I don't really blame them, to be perfectly honest, like a lot of parents are straight up denying that their kid has any sort of disability when they clearly do. Like I had a, I had a kid in my class last year who definitely had some sort of cognitive delay, but like, there was no, nothing put in place for them. You know, like at, in Canada, there'd be like an individual um, education plan in place. You'd have all these goals for them. You'd know what their diagnosis is. You'd have ways to help them. Here, there's no diagnosis. We have very few resources to help them. But I feel like that is getting a little bit better. Like I'm actually seeing like posters of like, there's on, when we drive to school, we're passing by like tons of billboards. And there's one billboard actually that has, I don't know exactly what it says because it's an Arabic, but it has like, like three Down syndrome kids on it. And I was like, wow, you, I mean, you, I never saw anything like that last year. And apparently that's a new, like a thing they're trying a little bit harder at. But to be honest, it's, it is pretty much, it's pretty stagnant. They stay the same and like they hear suggestions. And like the thing is, is like, it's very hard to do to complete things here. I find like they'll start buildings and then they'll run out of funding. So buildings will sit half finished for years until they get the funding to do it again. Like, and that's kind of like just a theme throughout a lot of the country. It seems like it's crazy, crazy perspective is a powerful thing. Just like we don't, it's like, it's like pets. We don't know what we have until we know what it's like in other places kind of thing. Totally. And like, you know, my pets could use some perspective too. Like if they came to Egypt and saw the shape of the cats and the dogs that are walking around on the street, I tell you, they wouldn't be complaining anymore. Yeah. That's- They'd be like, ah, I'm going back, back on the plane. Yeah. They have a good life. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah, everybody needs a little perspective. And like, I mean, even here, I, I, I'm constantly just counting my lucky stars that I'm, you know, Canadian. I have just the fact that we were born in Canada, you've hit, you know, an absolute jackpot when you look around at the other, however, 195 countries in the world that have like, you know, we're very, we're very fortunate. And a lot of people take that for granted. And that's, that would be my biggest reason why I think people need to travel more is like, if for nothing else, for nothing else, just go to make, to like appreciate your own country and your own situation more. And even if you hate every, you know, like, you hate every second of traveling it you will go home with some peace of mind for sure i'm like a new a new outlook at least a little bit i'm i'm really convinced of that i like how you talked about like we we hit the jackpot being born in canada because there's a lot of people who are coming to canada for like a new hope kind of thing and not everybody can display empathy in a way that is like hey like we are all humans and this person just wants to live a happy life. So how how would you encourage somebody to show more empathy, knowing what you know about other cultures and your experiences and in your travels? Like I would say you're probably a fairly empathetic person. And how, how would you encourage other people to be the same way? I think the biggest thing people need to do, like I think a lot of like people that are unempathetic, it's mostly from ignorance. Like they just don't fully understand and whether they're doing it on purpose or not, like ignorance is just like something that's really the biggest problem for the most part is like, if you took a second just to 
even like I'm not saying, oh, let's get up and let's all go travel to Syria to understand it, you know, like watch a documentary, watch, have a conversation with some of these people, like do any amount of research and you like, and that will help you. So like if you saw what some of the people like the Syrians that are coming over had to deal with, you would not say a word, you know what I mean? Like it's just like, and that's the biggest frustrating thing is it's like a lot of it is coming from people that don't know and are usually like not really willing to try to know, you know, like it's just learn a little bit and the ignorance will like, the more you learn, I feel like the less ignorant you become. And I just feel like most of the time people are okay with being ignorant and have no interest in, you know, changing their mindset or their attitude. And I think that's where a lot of like racism or prejudice, sexism, whatever, any sort of discrimination comes from, I think. Yeah. It sucks. I wish I wish more people would be open to uh, putting themselves in somebody else's shoes because the world would work sure. a, lot, a lot better. So tell me about your, let's say, like elementary, middle school experience. Like what was that version of Georgian like? Like what, what were your days like, your friends, your activities? When I was when I was in middle school, you mean? Yeah. Oh, man, I was not... I was a very, very bad student. Like I was never like, I was never a bad kid really. Like I would never, I was never like doing drugs. I wasn't like really drinking, you know, I wasn't doing anything like anything like that. I just did not care about my education. You know, like I just went to school. It was, school was just a social thing for me. You know, that's where my friends were. That's where I got to play sports for free. That's where I got to talk to girls, this and that. Like I could not care. And like I was in the French immersion program. And like my biggest regret to this day is just like, why did I not take more advantage of that? I should have walked out of that class because I started in grade six and I did it all the way to grade 12. So six years of like consistent French. I should have been graduating high school speaking French so fluently, but I didn't try. I didn't read. I didn't write. When I got a car, I didn't go. You know, it's just like, I yeah, I just wasn't a very good student. I was never like... I was never rude to my teachers or anything. I just had a very, like my teachers knew I didn't care, you know? And like, it, and they so constantly at my parent teacher interviews, would they say, here's a dude that is super bright, has all the skills, has all the abilities to be a good student. And he just simply chooses not to. And like, that was me probably until, until college, like obviously when I got to college, but it just, it made it so much harder for me in college. Like so many times, in post-secondary, I was just kicking my, like my past self for like, why didn't I learn study habits? You know, I had to like, when you're in college, you should have all these skills already because you did 12 years of it. But I had to like reteach myself study habits, reteach, like not even reteach, like teach for the first time because I just, I didn't take notes. I didn't study. I didn't, I procrastinate. I always procrastinated. So like, it was like a huge shift of like, yeah, I had to change a lot of things about myself when I went to post-secondary or else I would have failed yeah so i just like i was like a teacher's like biggest pet peeve probably you know just like a guy that like and i see it all the time now as a kid like as a teacher and like i try to preach it to them I'm like listen like you have to be here you have to come to school so why would you not make the most of it and like that was definitely not something that i practiced when i was a student myself do you find you're able to relate to a lot of those students better I am for sure. And I like, and it, it makes it even more frustrating. Cause it's like, I know what you're doing. Cause I was the same thing and you're going to be mad at yourself. Yeah. Like take it from me. Like I try to tell them. And like, the thing is too, like, obviously all, all like probably 99% of our students are Egyptian. Yeah. So their first language is Arabic. And like, it's the same thing. I'm just like, I was in a similar position. I was in French immersion. My first language is English. So obviously it's nature, like it's natural to want to speak your first language. But had I tried to speak French more, I would have been better at speaking French. So this is why we get mad at you or tell you, we're not telling you that we don't want you to speak Arabic at all. Like it's just when you're in our classroom, we're speaking English. So you get better at English and you practice it. And like some got it, like some, like I feel like made a more valiant effort, but it is like, it's frustrating to see it because I know, I was the same way and I know that they will like regret it later on. Cause that's what happened to me. Yeah. 
So with the structure of the school there, like you say, it's a Canadian school. What what's what is the the biggest drive to having a Canadian school in in Egypt? What's the demand for it? So Egypt is big time social class. Like if you're wealthy, you flaunt it. You're powerful. People look up to you, and they really taught and so like coming to a canadian school shows your basically your social class like it's teach like their parents are paying all this money like i think our school costs but i'm not 100% sure on this but it costs about 10,000 american to send a kid to our school so it's not cheap compared to like you know we went to school for free until university of course but um they pay all this money basically just so their kid walks out of there with a canadian high school diploma so it is definitely like it's a big social class thing. Um, and a lot of the parents, rich parents, are sending their kids to international schools, whether it's American, British, Canadian. But it's definitely, yeah, it's a class thing for sure. And what what's the end goal for a lot of the parents with, with their kids? Are the kids going to be moving around the world or are they staying in Egypt just with that social class? Most, I would say most of the kids at our school have parents that are like, um, own businesses. So a lot of the kids will take, like take over the business. Yeah. So, which is why like they really, you can tell which subjects, like, especially by grade seven, like grade two, they haven't really figured it out yet, but grade seven, they've kind of figured out like what subjects do I need? Like I need math. I definitely need math. So they all try at math. They respect math, but they also take French like as an Arabic speaking and then English as your second language. Most of these kids don't need French, will probably never use their French, and they know that, so they don't try at all in French. So it was kind of interesting. Last year I got I taught math and French. So like I would have in for one hour I'd have these kids trying super hard, doing their best at math, and then the next hour I'd have these kids that didn't care at all about French, wouldn't try, wouldn't do their homework, didn't study, like so they most of them will probably take over businesses um or go to university in canada that's fair um do you find that the ones that might be inclined to go to university are more open to like your values or are they pretty set in their own and it's going to be a culture shock um i think it'll be a culture shock for a lot of them but the ones that i think are going to go to canada are the ones that will thrive in canada like they're open-minded they're curious they're inquisitive and they're they would be able to go and adapt whereas like a lot of them would like you know like you see like people a huge thing here that drives me insane is the litter like and it's again it's just like it's a lack of like i don't want to say a lack of education but it's just like they don't fully understand the damage that they're doing to like like you it's not uncommon to see people pull over to the side of the road open up their trunk and just heave garbage over their shoulders you know into just like and like an empty field or into like bodies of water or whatever. And like, so like, I think that going to Canada and just like understanding that, yeah, no, you have to put your, you have to put your trash in the garbage. That's what's expected here. You know, like my, my class was a constant mess last year because they'd finish food and they'd throw it on the ground because they knew someone would come and, you know, clean up after them or it wouldn't. And then it would just sit there and they're cool with that too. So it's wild. So, Talking about scuba diving, I want to hear the three most memorable moments that have happened to you while you've been scuba diving. Okay, well, number one for sure, um, probably since I was like, I got my scuba license when I was 15. And ever since I was 15, I learned about this animal called the whale shark, which is the world's largest fish. And they're massive and they're so beautiful. And I just always wanted to see one so like i would specifically go to places in the world to try to dive with them and i just never had any luck until this summer i was with two of my buddies in uh maldives and we came across two actually so we got to dive with them for about 20 minutes and that without a doubt is the highlight of my scuba career um number two would probably be in Egypt. There's, um, there's a wreck. It's called the Thistlegrom and it's a, basically it's a world war two ship that went down. It's a British ship that went down from a, like a bomber in world war two. So it sunk to the bottom of the red sea 
and it's just a spectacular dive. It's like diving through a museum, you know, you're like, there's cannon or uh, yeah, there's like tanks on it. There's motorcycles, there's trucks, there's, it's just, yeah, it's like just diving through like an underwater museum. So that was, I've done that twice now. I got, I was lucky enough to do that with my dad when he came up. So that was pretty spectacular. Um, and the third one would probably be probably just the first time I dove with like, it's a scuba diving is a passion that I share with not only my dad, but my two brothers as well. We're all big scuba divers. So it's not really maybe a specific dive, but just the fact that I have this kind of activity that, you know, we've gone to, I think we've gone, we've gone to Honduras, we've gone to Belize, we've gone to Cuba, Mexico, all specifically for diving. And that's always, it's my dad, my two brothers and I, sometimes my uncle joins as well. So it's just nice having, and actually this summer, uh, my two brothers and I are going to Mozambique to dive. So it's just nice to have like a, we're, we're all pretty different, but that's one thing that's always connected us and probably will continue to connect us for as long as we're able to dive. That's awesome. What do you think uh, got your dad's interest into scuba diving in the first place? That's a really good question, actually, because he doesn't like nobody else in his family does it. He's just, he's just a dude that loves the water. He's just, that's where he has always been. Like he's a really good swimmer. He swam like competitively for a bit and just did a lot of, lot of swimming. So he just, I don't know, just something that drew his interest. And he, I think he, I don't know when he got certified back in the eighties and it's just, yeah, I never looked back and got all his kids hooked on it too. Yeah. But just his love, just his love for love for the water, I think. So 10 years from now, 10 years into the future, what does your life look like? Do you see yourself being a family man? Take us through the journey. Oh man, that is a tough question. Probably. I, I mean, I would like kids at some point, I think, you know, like I kind of go back and forth a little bit. I think I'd like to adopt kids as I think what I see myself probably doing. Um, so I think 10 years from now, hopefully I have, you know, a couple kids, and you know ideally a wife and we're hopefully still maybe living abroad maybe traveling i'm not sure but i think i mean traveling will always be i think an integral part of my life and something that will always you know i'll have a passion for so hopefully i'll raise little traveling traveling kids but yeah i think 10 years from now i can see myself having a family Awesome. What about uh, career still teacher or, or what does that look like? I think so. Like last year, last year was a tough year professionally. Um, and there's definitely like some moments where I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, it's just not as rewarding as I thought it would be. Like, it's such a thankless job. Nobody appreciates it. The parents are always, you know, this and that, but this year has like, like I really enjoy my class this year and I taught a grade two class in Sylvan Lake that was just like, we just gelled so well. And just like, I can't really see myself doing anything else at this point in time. So I, I would say 10 years from now, I'll probably still be teaching, but good, good. Who That's knows? Good and you should write a book. That's what I think that you should do. <laughs> yeah, write a book. Hey, eh? so talking about like teaching as a thankless job kind of thing, there is always going to be those moments. So that stand out, everybody has them. So I want you to talk about three times that have been just like, this is why I do what I do. And like, maybe you reflect on them during your bad days. What are three moments that really stand out for you? Um, I remember my first, my first full-time teaching job was I took over for a maternity leave in, um, in Sylvan Lake. I was teaching grade two. And I remember there was this one girl in my class who just like didn't have like there, she was from a lower, like her mother who was a really good mom was really trying, but they just didn't have all the resources that most families have. And I just remember uh, at the end of the year, I just got this really, really beautiful card from her mom, basically just saying like, cause the, her, her dad's not in her life. Like the dad's kind of out of the picture. So like doesn't have a lot of male role models. So like basically just saying, how much my, my relationship with her daughter meant to her and like how she's ta it's taught her daughter to like be able to like trust in men and this and that's so like, I don't know, just like getting those messages. Like I, I made open it to myself and I like 
had to shut it down, shut it because it was like bringing tears to my eyes. So like little moments like that. I had a kid, I have a kid in my class this year who uh, I met him last year when he was in grade one, and he just seemed like such an angry little dude, and I couldn't get it. Like he's six years old. What are you so angry about? And he was just like, I remember like the teacher that put uh, his grade one teacher last year put him in my class, and she's just like this is a kid that's really hard to make relationships with. I didn't really build a rapport with him and it really didn't take us very long. And now we're like, I don't know. He's now saying he wants to be a teacher just like Mr. Jordan. And we've just got such a good little relationship. And so it's like little moments like that, you know, the little hugs, the little, the thank yous. And yeah, it just, this year is a lot more. I feel like I'm a lot more appreciated this year than I was last year. But even actually last year, I was supposed to get moved um to grade three in the middle of the year because like i'm elementary trained and the teacher that was in grade three at the time was higher um like higher elementary like grade seven so our principal was going to switch us in february and i remember the kids had an absolute outrage there was parents calling the kids were crying they were sending emails home and like that was kind of the first moment and that was in February last year. That was the first moment where I was like, wow, these kids actually, I guess, kind of do like me because they didn't really ever show it. But that was kind of a nice moment as well. Yeah. It's good to remember those moments because, like, life life is short and life is not always easy. And we need to have things to, like, look back on, perspective, things that remind us why we do what we do or where our passion came from kind of thing, right? Totally. Because I mean, like, agree more. with last year being a tough year, there, there's no doubt there'll be other tough years. And that that's what I like about this podcast kind of thing. It's just, it's empowering other people through the lessons of others kind of thing. What's been the, the toughest lesson that you've learned as a teacher? The thing that just stopped you in your tracks? I just think, and I think this goes for like, like any person that's kind of new at their job and like a lot of people leave university with all of these ambitions and rightly so like i mean it's an empowering time to like be finished you know your degree and ready to start a job i think it's just the biggest thing is just like don't try to change the world you know like do your best put your heart into it but like don't be sad when like like last year i was i was like bummed that i wasn't making you know, the connections and the relationships with the kids that I, that I usually can make. And it's just like, you know what, instead of trying to get, win 56 kids over, start with one, you know, go to, and then move to a second. Like, just don't come in and try to, you know, be the greatest teacher. Well, try to be the greatest teacher ever, but don't like, I guess don't get down on yourself if, if you're not, or if you have a year where you're just, it's just not working. It's just not always going to work. And I think the biggest moment for me has just been like, I'm not here to change the world. I'm here to do my best and try to help kids out as possible. But at the end of the day, and it does suck to say, but like at the end of the day, they're not my own children. And if they want to be rude and they don't want to learn and they don't want to do this, then you know what? That's that's their battle to fight and that's their parents' battle to fight. Um, And you just, you don't, don't take it personally. I think it's really easy to like, leave your day thinking like, wow, these kids hate me. And like a lot of teachers have been uh, like my, they're in grade eight this year, my kids from last year. And like at least three different teachers have approached me this year and be like, how did you do it for a whole year? I have them for 70 minutes a day and I've already cried three times in front of them. And it's just like, yeah, you know what? You just, you can't take it personally, especially at an international school. Like these kids have seen literally hundreds of teachers. Like there's always new teachers coming in. So like, it is hard for them to like want to build up the trust and stuff. So like it's, yeah, the biggest thing is just don't take it personally. Do your best at the end of the day. It's a job you're getting paid for it. You know, you're not going to die. <laughs> I like it. That That's actually probably going to be a pretty helpful for anybody that listens to it. Now I'm curious with uh, your talk on potential kids and you talk about adopting, what, what inspires you to adopt the most? I just, I see, I don't know. First of all, the world is overpopulated already. So I just, I don't feel like I need to add more to that. So I think my biggest thing is like, there's tons of kids out there that would do anything for like a really nice dad, you know? And I think if I can, uh, and I think I would make a really nice dad. And I think, I don't know, it's just something, it's not something that's always 
interests me. I think it's more so in the last couple of years. It's like, I think that's something I want to do. I just think there's a lot of kids out there that would, you know, be really grateful to have somebody give them the life that they deserve. And I'm blessed enough to be, you know, from a good family and live in a good country that it's just, I don't know. It just would make sense for me. I think. I like it. I like it. It's admirable. So we are going to wrap this up with the last question. This is something that I ask all of my guests. So if you could give one piece of advice on how to authentically live your life to the fullest, what would that piece of advice be? My piece of advice would be quit talking about it and do it. Like the amount of people I heard say like, Oh, you're one teaching abroad. That's so awesome. I thought about it, but then this and this happened and this and this happened, or I would love to do this, but you know, just quit finding excuses to not do stuff and just do it. Just do it. Even if you hate it, I honestly believe even every experience, whether it's positive or negative is still so worthwhile. So just go and get as many experiences as possible. Quit finding excuses, make it happen. That's awesome. That's great advice. I want to thank you for joining me all the way from Egypt. Hopefully hey, man, it's a, a pleasure time. to be here. I, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Nice, nice chat with you, buddy. Totally. And we'll keep in touch. Uh, talk soon. See ya. You betcha. Bye.